Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, SVP of Commerce at Razorfish, and Scott Wingo, founder and executive chairman of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 110, being recorded on Thursday, November 30th, 2017. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason and Scott Show listeners. Jason, our series that is a hot take on Holiday 17 continues here in episode 110, we're excited to have, for the first time to the show, someone you and I have known uh, both for a long time and have been trying to get on the show, and we finally made it work, Rob Garf. Rob is the VP of Industry Strategy and Insights at Salesforce Commerce Cloud. Welcome to the show, Rob. Thanks, gentlemen. It's great to be here. I feel honored to be amongst digital commerce royalty. I feel like I'm obliged to say first time, long time. Good to be here. <laughs> uh Totally appreciate it, Rob. Um, You know, one thing we always like to do on the show is uh, give listeners a little bit of context about how you came into your your current role um, and what what the scope of the current role is. So I know, uh, uh, like ourselves, I know you've been kicking around the industry for a little while. Can you you, uh, talk to us about your career matriculation and what you're doing at Salesforce today? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Literally, retail is in my blood. My father actually was head of supply chain at a bunch of different retailers around the country when I was growing up. And I didn't have any grandiose aspirations of getting into retail, but I did grow up working in his distribution centers and working in some stores that he worked for, you know, retailers that he worked for, and um, really, really cut my teeth uh, in a genuine way in headquarters. Uh, right around 99, 2000 for Lids, the specialty hat retailer, where I led e-commerce. And at the time, we were doing some really fun things like buy online, pick up a store. We had an endless aisle app. We didn't even know really what we're doing and put it together, um, you know, on a shoestring budget. But it worked and it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, you guys probably are the only ones on the show that will remember that we ran Interworld back almost 20 years ago. Of course, they're long gone as an e-commerce platform. But anyways, um, from there, certainly continued to kick around, was industry analyst at AMR Research, leading the retail practice, moved to lead retail strategy at IBM when I was then fortunate to land at Demandware, uh, which took me about five years in when we got acquired in summer 2016 by Salesforce and now part of what is known as the commerce cloud. So my role, it's really fun. I get to kind of put all the hats on that I've worn over the last 20, 25 years. And I lead a team called Industry Strategy and Insights. And really, in short, it's it's our job to stay in the market, understand where the industry is going. We do that primarily through research. And then we turn that back over to the industry, our customers, and we use that to better understand where we should bring our, our company and products. So it's been a lot of fun over the last coming up on seven years, particularly last year and a half as part of Salesforce. Very cool. And then, uh, you know, the, one of the reasons we wanted to get you into this series is you guys have been releasing some holiday data. Uh, and I don't, I don't recall you doing much of that at, at Demandware. Um, so, so tell us about 
what's going on there. And uh, for listeners that don't know, let's let's kind of help them understand the scope of the data you guys would have and kind of where it comes from. Sure. Yeah, I think that's going to provide some good context on the conversation I'm sure we're about to have. So given we're a cloud platform that enables retailers and brands to connect to their consumers across a myriad of different channels, whether that's traditionally online or through mobile, store, social, even increasingly IoT and voice devices, um, we collect a lot of data. In fact, on a monthly basis, we have 500 million shoppers traversing, browsing, ultimately buying on our platform across around 3,000 sites, and that's representing retailers in 53 countries. So we take that information, we aggregate it up in a very thoughtful and secure way, and it really helps us gauge major digital trends. And then again, we, as part of our purview, turn that back over to our consumers to help them benchmark, I'm sorry, back over to our customers, retailers and brands, and allows them to better benchmark their business. And then broadly, it allows us to see, you know, where, where the industry's going, what are some of the major trends? And um, we've been doing this quarterly reporting for some time, but we really doubled down on the holiday this year to turn it into some interesting insights as to A, what we predict, and then B, what we're seeing. Cool. So if we um, if we kind of start at, at a 30,000-foot view, <clears throat> did you um, have any forecasts for holiday or you're not in the forecast business, just kind of looking at insights? Yeah. So we, we had some predictions based on the data from the platform, what we've seen in past quarters, past years, and we also did some primary research as well. So yeah, should I get right into it, gentlemen? Should I talk to you about kind of what we saw a little bit and if that came? Yeah, came yeah I would love situation. to know, like, how did you guys, did you think holiday would be 15% and it came in at 20? And then, um, you know, any of the kind of macro stuff, um, and we'll get into some of the individual days in a minute, but the, the big picture, what are you seeing? The big picture. Yeah. So, you know, back in September, October, we released some prediction information. There are three key points that we, among many others, that we honed in on. And, you know, one piece was we figured while discounts were going to be abundant, as they normally are, creeping earlier and earlier in the year, we felt like the holiday season would smooth out a bit in terms of the actual demand. And that's, in fact, what we saw by the end of uh, Monday, Cyber Monday, only 35% of digital shopping was complete. And so there's still a lot of runway to go there. The second piece that we saw um, is that 40% of particularly millennials will be doing a lot of research and discovery through voice assistants, you know, the Alexas of the world and the Google Homes and series of the world. And um, we don't have data yet to back it up quantitatively, but in talking to our customers, they're, they're definitely testing and um, playing with voice and, you know, Alexa in particular, creating some skills around shipping notifications and order status, which I think is a nice step forward around the convenience play. But I guess of the, of the three, the, Last one was, uh, um, and this really started last year, uh, Black Friday becoming more and more of a digital day. You know, we, of course, grew up, all of us here, Scott, Jason, you know, with it being Black Friday, more of a store-based way, doorbusters and getting out of the 
Thanksgiving craziness with the family and getting into some of the stores. And we're, we're seeing a real uptick, um, both in, we predicted it and we in fact saw it as a really big, really big digital day as well. So I can dive into all of this in, in particular, but those are some of the predictions we saw and, and how they kind of played out over the last seven, eight, nine days, I would say. Awesome. Just want to get an idea of how granular the data you, you see is. You're, you're the, the actual platform that, that all these retailers are, are using for their commerce. So I'm assuming you get pretty granular data. So you, you mentioned, for example, discounting. Like, are you, are you able to, to see the actual sort of uh, is, was pricing that, that is offered by your customers? And are you guys sharing any data about like how promotional this holiday season has been versus past holiday seasons? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things we saw, as I mentioned, discounts starting earlier and earlier, we're calling it, you know, a game of discount chicken, right? It's like the retailers are moving it more and more towards the beginning of November, hoping hoping that the consumers will bite. And by the way, though, we all know in this game of chicken, consumers usually win. And that's, in fact, what happened. But in terms of the rate, yeah, we're seeing across the, we call it the cyber week, starting on the Tuesday, two days before American Thanksgiving, and then going through, you know, through Cyber Monday, we saw an average uh, 28% discount rate. So there's some really nice discounts really peaking on Cyber Monday. We'll see a little bit of a lull. And then once again, we anticipate another spike around December 11th. And for a few days further, when consumers are starting to feel the crunch of the shipping window starting to close and retailers taking advantage of that kind of emotional, oh gosh, I need to get it now or I'm not going to be able to get it delivered to my doorstep. Uh, But the other interesting part, if I could, beyond just discounts, is what we saw around free shipping. And so across the week, as I defined a moment ago, we saw 84% of orders that were free shipping. In fact, on Cyber Monday alone, it actually spiked up and it was the highest day at 89%. So, you know, what was seen as a really nice to have in past years, really the expectations of the consumer is we want it free or not at all. And so as a consumer, if you're on and listening, definitely um, look for those free shipping. And uh, if you're a retailer, you got to get in the game if you're not already. Yeah, yeah. And uh, to just maybe put that in a little bit of context, Comscore would say that that year round, uh, about 65% of all e-commerce sales are with free shipping. So when you see a spike up to 85 to almost 90%, that's a version of a promotion that retailers are running. And it just turns out free shipping is the the most effective promotion you can run if you, if you don't already offer it because uh, it seems like consumers are really uh, weary to make any purchases that that uh, where they have to pay for shipping. Yeah, that's right. And that's why I talked about in the context of discounts. And, you know, a lot of our customers are in the luxury and apparel space where they want to try to, from a perception perspective, hold on to price integrity. But free shipping is a nice way, as you mentioned, to essentially give a total cost of ownership, if you will, <laughs> right, discount on getting that uh, a product you want. 
Uh, for sure. You also mentioned Black Friday becoming a little bit more of a digital holiday, and uh, that that certainly seems like a, a trend that we've seen as well. Are, are you starting to see? You mentioned that a lot of the deals are peaking on Cyber Monday. Are you starting to see a spike of online deals on Black Friday as well, or do you feel like like uh, as a consumer you're going to get better deals on Monday than you can get on Friday? Yeah, I mean it's it's just to get really deep. We we saw a twenty seven percent discount rate on Black Friday compared to 29% on Cyber Monday. I mean, it's negligible. It's close, right? But generally speaking, when I step back, we're seeing that deals have really, in demand, in fact, has been smoothed over across these seven days of Cyber Week, where in the past it was for consumers, you got to get the deal on Friday in the store or Monday um, online, and I'm finding both based on our research and you know being a sample size of one and doing a bit of shopping myself is that retailers are becoming a lot more transparent about the length and the duration of their promotions, and there's not as much of a gosh, I gotta get it on Friday or I'm gonna lose out. So um, yeah, I know that's my roundabout way of saying um, you know there's a spike. Cyber Monday of 29%. We see 27%, but overall, we're seeing deals smoothed out through the, the entire week. Yeah, that, that is interesting. And that is, that's one of the challenges with promotions, right? Is that the promotions are going to be most effective if there's almost some scarcity to them. Like if consumers believe that that deal is going to end on Friday and that's the best deal I'm ever going to get. If, if we're promoting stuff on Friday and all the consumers have a, a real belief that there's going to be an even better deal on Monday, then the promotions tend to not have the desired effect. And to your point, in the old world, the consumers tended to only know what we tell them, right? So if we said, hey, big sale on Friday, that's the only information the consumer has uh, had. But today, the consumer knows everything, and they have perfect transparency. Um, and oh, by the way, there's probably 50 websites that are designed to telling them what what deals are the best each day and what the historical best time to buy all these products are. So it's hard to, hard to get away with any of those, those promotional games anymore. It's a really good point. I think it's a really good point in the fact that retailers are finally listening. You know what I mean? In terms of they're acknowledging that consumers have a lot more control and access than ever before. And why not be a little bit more uh, transparent around the pricing and the promotions so that, while you are giving a little bit away on the scarcity side, you're giving a little bit more away saying, I don't need to go to another retailer because I think I missed that window, right? Cool. It makes me, uh, I know Salesforce is really big on the AI, and I think you guys call your core AI Einstein. It almost Have you guys done any exploration of kind of, could you plug that in there and try to have the AI outsmart the consumers on this whole pricing game of chicken thing? It's- I think... Yes, and we are doing that. In fact, we actually have some interesting data around artificial intelligence and how that has um, actually influenced a lot of the the sales when it comes down to it. So what we found across, again, these uh, sample set that we have is that, and I'll pick on Black Friday. So on Black Friday, 6% of... um, shoppers engaged or clicked on a product recommendation that was powered by artificial intelligence. So that recommendation 
was based on the shopping behavior of either a known consumer in the various digital profile and preferences that have been accumulated or an unknown based on the clicks that they did either on-site or off-site. And while it was only 6%, it drove 32% of the uh, revenue. So huge impact when retailers can turn this data into intelligence and get it in front of the consumers uh, in a meaningful way uh, throughout the journey. That, that's fascinating. I'm always curious, like, how, how are you defining artificial intelligence for the recommendation in, in that case? Because, you know, uh, it, obviously, you know, there's, there's multiple definitions of artificial intelligence, but I have a feeling all the, the vendors that are in the, the Salesforce Commerce Cloud link exchange that have been doing recommendations for, for five or 10 years would probably call their engines artificial intelligence, wouldn't they? Or Yeah, they likely will. And so, yeah, we're at the very core. It's from machine learning that is taking in all of the data that's being generated on the platform by that retailer and allowing the algorithm to continually learn and in an automated way um, drive that relevant interaction. Now, the interesting part is that our artificial intelligence, Einstein, is both making the merchant and marketer, the retailer, smarter. So they're just getting more efficient around planning their pricing and their assortment. But then it's also automating a lot of the manual rules-based type of assortment that the consumer will interact with on the site. Cool. Yeah, so it's neat to see, uh, you know, you hear all these acquisitions talk about synergies. It sounds like there's already, you know, a rich set of capabilities over on the Salesforce side that you guys are tapping into. For sure, yeah. I mean, particularly on the Einstein front, given the fact that Salesforce has doubled down on this across across the entire company. So, yet while we have a data science team within Commerce Cloud, we are we are definitely leveraging all of the innovation that's happening back at um, San Francisco from machine learning to visual intelligence to voice intelligence to natural language processing. So it's, it is really exciting, whereas we came in via the acquisition with some pretty cool artificial intelligence. We're able to now look to our colleagues and really amp it up quite a bit. And again, the the fun part about this is it's really baked into the platform. So it's, you know, in the same console that a merchant will do their promotions and their assortments and figuring out their promotional calendar so they don't have to toggle between different screens. So, you know, again, the, going back to the data, it's really showing while, you know, a small portion of consumers are coming across these product recommendations and uh, click, I shouldn't more say clicking on them, it's driving a lot of revenue. And I assume at some point we'll talk about mobile, but, you know, in a very small form factor world that we're living in now, making sure where you might have one, if two products that are made available, getting those right ones in front of the consumer makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, real estate is definitely at a premium. Uh, definitely want to talk about mobile. One quick thing that you just kind of uh, made me think about. So earlier you talked about skills being kind of a prediction. Um, uh, do you guys, as part of the platform, can you just kind of turn on for any of your merchants an Alexa skill or, or 
you, you're watching what's happening there before you do something like that? Yeah. So, you know, voice in general is something we're looking at. Our customers, given our open platform, already testing some out. They're finding it just a way they're not necessarily seeing today the, you know, clicking the buy, right? Because you're not really clicking or tapping, are you? But, you know, having the buy happen, but it's more on some of the peripheral um, research, discovery, or on the other side, service. But that's more happening via partners or independently, given, again, our open platform, our customers are able to innovate and extend via our APIs, um, various data aspects like order and customer and price and so on and so forth. I figured that would pique your interest, though, given I know it's a hot topic around these parts. So I'd be interested in what you're seeing on the voice side, particularly around this holiday. Anything pop up for you and your discussions? I- it, you know, I, I always check the specials that, that Amazon has there, and um, it's interesting to see what they're choosing to push that way. Um, I think retailers that are doing it are, are way out on the edge at this point. Uh, we haven't heard a ton. Jason, have you heard anything? Exactly. In general, I think even the, the most dominant voice players would say nobody really expects voice to be a primary interface for commerce. I mean, there's there's just a bunch of deficiencies like most things you buy have a bunch of variants so you pick a color and a size and potentially a brand and like getting interrogated for all of those details to place a, a commerce order via voice actually isn't a super elegant experience so while there there's certain products that lend themselves to voice commerce and there certainly are people that are engaging in voice commerce it's it's not like oh man that's the better user interface and the whole world is going to shift to voice for commerce I, I think it's real obvious that voice is going to be a, a major u- user interface overall. And I, I think we're going to see voice being used a lot to um, manage and modify orders. So, you know, once you start buying all your groceries online, for example, and you have an auto replenishment order, you're probably using voice to say, hey, I'm going to grandma's for Thanksgiving. You know, uh, uh, let's cancel this week's grocery order. Or, hey, I need to make a pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving. Let's let's add these ingredients to my my normal list. Um, but I, I really think that's going to be the the primary role of of uh, voice in commerce more so than it is uh, product discovery or you know first time order type stuff. So what's super interesting to me is incorporating voice for on site search, right? So you're still looking at the screen, but you're able to search it using voice and then layering on top artificial intelligence or putting artificial intelligence at the bottom, whichever way you want to look at it architecturally in any case, but being able to really help, um, again, really cut down the time between inspiration and ultimately getting to the product that the customer wants. But I hear what you're saying in terms of perhaps, you know, on site to aid navigation versus doing it by talking to a device saying, I want this product yep. that I've never seen before. And and I think the use case you mentioned makes all the sense in the world, and particularly on mobile. Um, we, we already see like the voice as a user interface in mobile has huge adoption in China already. And so I, I think that's inevitable here. And, and there are some fascinating nuances that happen there, right? Because when customers type into our search box with a keyboard, uh, we've taught them all uh, how to type key, how to do keyword searches, right? So, so people type the words that they think um, are are 
most likely to to come up with that result. But when people speak to a voice interface, they tend to speak in full sentences. And so what's what's interesting is uh, those voice searches we get tend to have a lot more context than the type searches, and that actually enables us to give more relevant results. Um, which is which is interesting, but you do have to think about your indexing and your your if you're you know a content creator on those product detail pages, you need to think about your SEO strategies and things differently when a, a meaningful percentage of your your customers are are searching via voice. So I, I I would certainly agree with that, and I think I'm not sure that that's a a huge piece of the market this year, but I, I would suspect by next year it's a much bigger part. I guess one other thing that's slightly interesting is to the extent that you are going to shop via voice, obviously Alexa is the dominant voice platform out there and, you know, they predominantly want you to buy from, from Amazon. Although, you know, they recently made an announcement of a partnership with, uh, Best Buy to enable you to, uh, do commerce through Best Buy, uh, you know, although you have to add a few extra words to that search. Um, but what's interesting is so everyone that wants to compete with Amazon has the problem of not having a product catalog like Amazon has and not having all the sales data that Amazon has to help um, sort of determine what what brand you probably want when you ask for batteries. And so we're seeing like Google in particular uh, go out and start to do these partnerships with retailers where the retailers are sharing their first party data with Google to make. Uh, search more more contextually relevant on uh, Google Home with those retailers. And it occurs to me that they'd be really smart to partner with a platform like you to enable that for all of your clients. Not trying yeah, to give away any really future product point. strategy, but yeah. <laughs> I can't weigh in too much, but I can say that um, certainly, you know, we're always looking at ways to extend our platform and realizing that, more and more commerce is happening off property, right? And so, you know, our whole business model from the beginning of time was, you know, let's hope that consumers go to a retailer's website and buy. And the reality is more and more of that's happening off property. So retailers need to push their brand to where the consumers are. And we want to help them. We want to help them do that. And if that's, you know, again, partnering to make that happen, we're, we're definitely looking at those, those avenues. Cool. Before Jason continues to pin you into an uncomfortable corner about future product uh, releases, the, let, let's pivot to mobile. <laughs> there you go. So, so I remember in the early days of Demandware, you guys were in this wacky thing called the cloud, and and some of the earliest successes were convincing people to let you run their mobile site because you guys were really good at responsive and all that. And then, then you kind of pretty quickly earned the entire site. Um, so you guys have been kind of mobile pioneers from from as early as I can remember. Um, I've seen a lot of your, your, your quotes have been around mobile. Uh, give yeah. us what are you, what are you seeing as far as mobile trends and, uh, and how did that meet your expectations? Yeah. So really we think the headline or one of the key headlines for the holiday this year so far is mobile and the continued adoption by consumers, not just to, browse, but to actually buy. And if you remember, mentioned one of the three predictions was Thanksgiving being a really big digital holiday. And we think the major driver to that is mobile, you know, because really in the past it was consumers had to wait either, well, going to the way back time machine to 2005, you know, Monday to get 
to a high speed internet connection. But even at home, like on Thanksgiving or Black Friday, oh gosh, I got to open my computer. I got to put in my username and password. I got to bring up a browser. I got to, you know, there are a lot of steps. There's a lot of friction. And really, at the end of the day, the mobile phone is the remote control of our daily lives, right? It's tethered to us. So it's really just creating instant access like it does any time of the year during Thanksgiving, during Black Friday, through the entire cyber week for consumers just to take out their phone and, and browse. But what's happened you know, over the last couple of years is most retailers have really stubbed their toes around their, their mobile strategy and didn't really make it easy to buy. So while you kept on seeing traffic creep up, um, there was still that friction there and consumers ultimately like either wait until they get to a computer or waited and went into a store to, to buy. But again, uh, consumers are pulling out their phone on Thanksgiving, on Black Friday and actually buying. So just some of what we think are some mind blowing stats is that um, I guess I'll give it to you for the cyber week. We saw mobile share um, of traffic at 61%. So 61% of the traffic was coming from mobile. And by the way, we define mobile as phone, period, full stop. Tablets are a separate category there. Uh, But what I think is even more interesting is that mobile share of orders for the week was 41%. And that was up, by the way, from 34% uh, for the week the year prior. So the idea and we can talk about, and I love your perspectives on this, like what are retail, we can talk about what are retailers doing to make it easier, but that's that's the bottom line. They're really breaking down the friction between inspiration and purchase. And that's part of what's contributed, again, to Black Friday being a big digital day and the smoothing out in general of demand across the entire seven days of Cyber Week. So as you can tell, I get excited about this stat because we just think it's really, if I could say an inflection point, a big shift that we've been seeing for quite some time and it's actually coming through to fruition. Yeah, I, I think it's it's certainly fascinating. We talk about it a, it a lot on the show. We call it the mobile gap. And essentially that's that the you know the fact that that increasingly traffic is all shifting to mobile, but the conversion rate on mobile tends to be a lot lower than desktop. And so on these big holiday days when it's you know mobile traffic spikes even more um, like, you know, there's there's a potential catastrophe of 61% of my, my traffic is on mobile and that, you know, converts, you know, one-third or one-fourth the, the rate desktop traffic used to convert, I'm actually going to lose money on the site. And so the, the fact that you're seeing that mobile gap narrow, like obviously if 61% of the traffic and only 41% of the sales are happening, there still is a gap, but that, you know, that's a lot better than when it's 60% of the traffic and only 25% of the sales. Um, yep. so, so, uh, it, interesting to think about the theories, why that gap is narrowing. Um, I, I certainly have some, I'd be curious to hear, uh, if you have any thoughts, but a, yeah. a, a equally interesting question is, uh, when it narrows, is it just narrowing because of something that's unique to holiday period? And so once we get through holiday, we're going to revert back to that, you know, same old nasty mobile gap we've been living with for the last couple of years. Or have we systemically figure, you know, improved the mobile experience enough that we're actually starting to see a permanent shift to, to more uh, mobile purchases? 
Yeah. So I think the flywheel has started and it's not going to slow down. And so one other interesting data point, and then I'll give you a couple of my hypotheses as to, you know, why this is happening. But I think I anticipate this being an interesting part of the conversation. Um, by the way, so if, if we do the math um, on Thanksgiving for the first time, mobile order share bypass computer order share. So that's like, you know, again, big deal, right? So 46% of orders on Thanksgiving were mobile and 45 were on computer. Now we actually reverted back for the rest of the cyber week, but it just shows you like, okay, computers continue to kind of creep down and finally mobile has edged out. I think that's going to continue to a degree, you know, going to the point around why I, you know, I, I, I contributed it, you know, I put it on two things. One, we talked about a bit or more than a bit, which is AI. So applying AI to the small form factor has huge benefits because again, you mentioned it, so little real estate, figuring out what that goes back to the, what is, you know, right product, right price, right time. There it is. Boom. You know, and then the other one that we're tracking is around the checkout because the browsing was not terrible. It wasn't awesome, but it wasn't terrible. And so, but the checkout was terrible, right? It was, it was clunky. We all lived through it and we still are in terms of, okay, now I have to input my name. Okay. Now I have to input my address and credit card and whatever else. The uh, adoption of integrated payments like Apple Pay and Android Pay and PayPal, for that matter, we see that really helping. In fact, we anticipate nearly 10% of iOS orders will be by Apple Pay. And so that's just making it easy. And so I think it will go higher as more and more consumers use Apple Pay. And, and part of the reason why it isn't higher is because more and more people aren't using it yet. But it's one, again, one of these, these chicken and the egg things. So, I, you know, I, I attributed a bit to AI, a bit to Apple Pay and the other integrated payments. And I do think it's one of these things where consumers, because they're getting this experience, they're going to have more confidence where they didn't before that it will then kind of make its way into the other 360-ish, whatever many days you want to say a year. Um, yeah, for sure. And I, I, uh, I'm going to, uh, drill down into those in just a sec, but I do want to ask one other, uh, data point if you happen to have it. Uh, so, you know, one of the problems we always have with mobile is, is conversion rates lower, right? So that's what we've been talking about. Um, but another typical problem with mobile is, uh, people tend to use mobile to buy fewer items per cart. So, you know, the average order items per cart, you know, is a lot closer to one on a mobile device than it is on a desktop. So I'd be curious when you've seen these like nice spikes in mobile over a holiday, are you tracking the items per order and are you seeing that spike up as well? So we track it. I don't recall what that data is. Okay. And um, maybe that could be the next episode or we can tweet it out at some point. Right. Yeah, um, sure. Let's do that because that's, that's how we definitely track it and we know what it is generally. But um, I don't know what it is comparatively for this time of year between mobile and shopping carts. So let's let's get that. Let's, that'll be a nice cool. teaser. Let's okay. get that out to the perfect. Um, but I, yeah, it, I, I do sort of agree with you. I, I tend to think that uh, there's kind of a, a systemic thing that's improving about mobile that hopefully makes for a permanent change in the mobile gap. And then there is a kind of a tertiary thing that improves mobile around holiday, right? Like so, the systemic thing to me, I totally agree with you. It's improving. Uh, 
the checkout experience and reducing friction in the checkout experience. Um, and, uh, you know, integrated payments is the easiest way to do that. There also are just better best practices in user experience. Um, there's things like using, you know, the Google Maps API or someone else's API to enter uh, addresses with way less clicks than the traditional five field thing. Um, the, uh, the Apple pay, you know, like those, those things are interesting. Um, but for example, this year, Google launched this thing called the payment request API, um, which is a, 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 a method built into their browsers in their mobile browsers that makes it way easier to store payment information on your phone, um, once, and uh, auto and securely autofill all those forms from from every retailer that supports it. And so, once retailers start supporting that that payment request API, checkout becomes much lower friction um, there. And we're starting to see see some pretty significant deployment. So I think there are a bunch of things working in favor of reducing checkout friction. And I I suspect and hope that that's going to equal a, a permanent reduction in the the mobile gap. And that's super important to me because uh, Scott and I actually had a debate about whether that mobile gap was going to go away or not last year. And I think I said it was. So if it doesn't, I'm going to, I'm going to lose that bet. Um, <laughs> what happens when it goes away though? What are you going to talk about? Well, I guess you got plenty of topics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like we, we've, we, uh, shortage of topics has never been Scott and I's problem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, but the other thing that I, I do think that. just, works in mobile's favor over holiday is uh, what I'll call buying intent, right? That uh, that there's a lot of reasons a consumer would go to a retailer's website. Um, so, you know, uh, I used to use the phone book to uh, get the phone number and find out if there's a product in stock. Today, I'll go to the website and look up online whether the product's in stock before I drive to the store. Um, I used to use the newspaper circular to see if this store has a, a, a sale. Today, I'll go to the website and look and see if they have a sale. I'll, I used to use the yellow pages to see where the store nearest me was. Today, I'll go to the store lo- locator on the site to see where the, the store was. All, all, so there are all these uh, visits that happen to a, a retailer site where no one ever intended to buy anything. They intended to get information often that they're going to use to visit a store. Um, and so all of those things are actually happy things that, you know, it's good that consumers are doing, but they have the unintended consequence of making conversion rate look lower. Um, and so during holiday, when a higher percentage of the overall traffic are coming to the site with a specific intent to buy something, uh, that, that effect gets diluted. And so I, I think it's, it's just a natural thing that as traffic goes up on these on these days when people are mostly trying to buy online, uh, that we're going to see the mobile gap narrow a little bit. But I I do also think uh, that the 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 longer term happier reason is it, it's just getting easier and easier to to check out and and shop for stuff. And to your point, as artificial intelligence gets better, so the right products show up in front of you quicker. Um, and as we, you know, adopt things like voice interfaces that are easier and faster than typing, you know, complicated, uh, searches in a search engine, like, that's just all going to, uh, work in mobile's favor. For sure. I like the buying intent. We actually track that throughout the year and that's a, that's a nice leading indicator as to what consumers are thinking. So I like that, I like that applied to the mobile and holiday aspect. Cool. Any, um, uh, so we definitely want to talk about some of the key days here. Uh, anything else on mobile that, that you want to highlight? 
No, I, again, I think the key piece of it is it's it's helping to a bit smooth out the the demand because the consumers have that access and control, and as we referenced before, that transparency, and um, and it and it showed uh, as as consumers just continue to go to that as their mechanism to connect with con- uh, the retailers. Cool. How about a um, multi-device? Um... Because you guys are running both versions of the site, I guess they have to be logged in effectively. But anything, anything interesting there? Um, so one of the arguments people always say is, well, people are on their phone and they're doing research and they throw something in the cart and then they go to the desktop and check out. And I've, I've never been a big believer of that, but I haven't had you know, data to either uh, agree or dispute it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that is happening and we're seeing in the data because we're able, given our – persistent cart, we're able yeah. to see that consumer through most of the digital, if not all of the digital journey, right? And we are seeing, in fact, that there are multiple digital touch points before the, the buy button, which is, of course, just driving retailers absolutely batty because most of them can't attribute, you know, where the demand is coming from and where ultimately they're buying and kind of knitting it all together. But um, we're finding that for sure to be the case. And uh, we're seeing it even more so during the holiday time when, if you can believe it or not, consumers are even more time-starved and distracted. So they are starting their shopping journey in one stage or one touch point and then consummating it another. So, yeah, that's a, that's a big dynamic that's happening. And also, they're using, in many cases, the, um, you know, the shopping cart, if you will, as a registry or a wish list and um, allowing them to also do a lot of research for not only gifting to others, but self-gifting as well. Ooh, a little self-gifting going on. Exciting. The, uh, so, so let's start digging into some of these key days. And you've hit on some of them as, as we've been going over the broader topics. But let, let's pick uh, November kind of first, which is, I guess, the, the kickoff there um, through Thanksgiving, uh, but not including Thanksgiving. Uh, anything – have you guys been watching that period? And, and does it feel like it, it has accelerated compared to last year? A, a lot of retailers are kind of now calling it you know, a month of Black Fridays and they're, they're, they're trying to get consumers to act earlier. Any, anything in that kind of early holiday period to talk about? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it goes back to this uh, game of discount chicken, and it's not only between the retailer and the consumer, but it's between or among all the retailers. And there were some that just went out of the gate really strong, right, on November 1st. And if retailers didn't already plan for that, we saw that there were several that actually scrambled to, to make it happen. But, you know, our data shows that while the discounts continue to be brought forward, the consumer is still in control and um, it might have helped with brand recognition and certainly to get a jump on the preference of who to shop where and when, but only 35%. And I say only cause it still leaves a lot of runway uh, will occur of digital shopping by this month, this past Monday. What we also saw, by the way, just to kind of give you a broader sense of when shopping will be complete, we anticipate, we predict that 50% of the digital shopping will be complete by December 3rd. So that's right upon us. And then 80% by December 15th, right again, right around 
that what I would say magical shipping window where people, even though they might be promised to get the product in a certain amount of time, are starting to get a little worried about that. But that's my long way of saying, um, yeah, we're definitely tracking this the discount piece and other promotional activities. What we started to see too, I don't know if it was um, purposely planned for this time of year or not, but more and more subscriptions that are being launched, uh, subscription services, right? So Stance, as an example, uh, just launching their their um, their subscription for socks or Fruit of the Loom. So I wonder if that has a little to do with, hey, this is an interesting gift to get this time of year that lasts throughout the entire year. That is totally interesting. I haven't noticed that trend, so I'll, uh, I will redouble my my uh, observations and follow that. As we move from that kind of pre pre Thanksgiving period and start looking at at the big five days, what what are you guys seeing in terms of uh, Thanksgiving, Black Friday, uh, the the weekend, and then Cyber Monday? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we saw um, just actually across the seven days to throw it out there, we saw twenty six percent overall digital growth and we saw really high spike in black friday and um it actually based on our data was the biggest digital shopping day of the holiday season but we also saw thanksgiving being significant growth as well so people aren't again aren't waiting and so you know across the board we're seeing some really, really nice growth as we anticipated because of the strong digital growth that we saw in our shopping index in Q3. We anticipated it, but um, it was really, it's really interesting to see again, particularly on Black Friday. Uh, very interesting. And just a clarification: some vendors like see a subset of all the the e-commerce traction uh, transactions, and they they use a statistical model to try to extrapolate that and say, and here's, you know, here's what we think happened in a hundred percent of the industry. Um, in your case, uh, I think you're, you're being a little more straightforward, right? Like you, when you say 26% growth, you're talking about like all the Salesforce cloud customers essentially saw 26% growth. And so that, that may or may not perfectly mirror the entire, uh, uh, e-commerce industry or the entire internet 500 or something like that. Do I, am, do I have that right? Or are you trying to do a, that is, yep, that is totally fair. And so we do have a great cross section of retailers and branded manufacturers of every size. Um, but that is in fact the case. We do not apply a statistical model on top of what we have here. We just use the, our 3000 sites across 53 countries as as the sample set. And that's an, another important distinction I think is ours is global. Um, we can and do subsequently slice it by size and by geography and by segment, meaning type of retailer. But in this case, um, we are providing global numbers across all of the segments. Awesome. So we're, uh, we're running up against time and appreciate you. Uh, we're recording this in the evening. Appreciate you taking time out of your, the end of your busy day here. Um, Absolutely. let's kind of get out of holiday mode, uh, towards the end here. And, uh, you've already been super helpful with some of the voice commerce stuff that we'd love to talk about and, and AI. Um, 
any interesting non-holiday trends that that you can share um, as you look kind of towards the next year or or even three to five years out? Yeah, you know, one trend we're tracking really closely, and it's I would say in the context of AI, is actually putting the consumer or the consumer data back in the consumer experience. You know, our hypothesis is that we've been talking about putting the customer in the center of everything we do for the last 10, 15, 20 years. I remember, you know, writing reports on it as an analyst, but um, with the increasing importance of AI, there's an increasing importance on actually figuring out how to better manage and operationalize your consumer data, particularly because it's just scattered in many cases all across the different um, operational systems. And so we think there's going to be a refocus over the next 12 months on the data, which isn't that sexy, honestly, but it's something we need to do. So we, we think there's going to be a lot of investment there. We're looking at that closely from my team and a research perspective on what that's going to look like. Um, we also, you know, given now part of Salesforce for the last year and a half, certainly looking at um, what does you know, a platform look like that helps manage the journey from all the way up the funnel at, you know, at, you know, um, discovery and research coming through commerce and fulfillment and service and advocacy. And uh, that's what's really getting us excited is, uh, you know, with these entities coming together within Salesforce, applying artificial intelligence to it. Uh, we think there's there's great value to be had by by retailers and brands to kind of rethink their front end systems um, in, a, in a more holistic or unified way. I do think that's an interesting opportunity. I actually think those two trends are somewhat related in that, like one of the problems we historically have with data is that there's a ton of of data within an enterprise, but it's all trapped into these, you know, uh, disparate silos. So there's like the personalization engine on top of your e-commerce engine that knows something and your analytics for e-commerce knows something else and your customer service guys know something else. And, you know, that to that consumer that doesn't look at those as separate services, they're like, man, I've shared all this information about myself and they should be able to use that to have way more relevant uh, interactions with me and reduce, you know, a lot of friction and they shouldn't be asking me all these questions they already know about me. Um, but for the retailer to solve those, they, they got to break down all those silos and integrate all that, that data. So I, I actually think the, uh, leveraging AI to get better experiences and, uh, kind of, you know, uh, doing a better job of integrating all of your, your systems are, are closely related. Yeah, for sure. No, I think you articulated that really well. It, they all kind of play off each other. I guess the other point too, is we'll continue to see, you know, brands going direct, um, and becoming even more vertically integrated and retailers certainly going back through the supply chain and creating unique differentiators through products and services and so forth. But, you know, really where it will become interesting is how both brands and retailers, um, as I referenced before, move beyond just their property, which is really uncomfortable for many of these organizations because since the beginning of time, it was about pulling the consumer to their property and owning them and not sharing them. And now it needs to be more of 
pushing their brand to where the consumers are. And that might be in various partners or third parties that, uh, you know, that's where the demand is being created. So it'd be interesting to see how more, you know, what is, whatever you call it, distributed commerce or conversational commerce or, you know, whatever's happening off property, how that, that brings retailers outside their comfort zone from a technical perspective, as much as, you know, operational perspective as well um, to, to go where the consumers are. I totally agree. And uh, I'll, in fact, I'll even give a little plug to your architecture that's sort of beneficial for all those those things. Um, the The challenge is, you know, that when all of these new opportunities are launched, it's hard to know which ones are going to be huge successes and which ones are, are just kind of buzzy. And there's potentially a significant amount of effort to implement the technology to try these things. So Pinterest launches shoppable pins. Hey, is that going to be a huge thing or is that a novelty? Uh, Apple Pay makes itself available through a web browser. Is that, you know, the most important thing I could do my site or not? And if you're if you're a, a site with an on-prem commerce solution that you sort of own and you've got a bunch of developers that have to implement each of these things, uh, you have to make big strategic bets about which ones you're going to chase and which ones you're, you're going to try to be a faster follower on. Um, but one of, one of the awesome things about uh, your cloud-based solution is you guys tend to do those implementations. Um, and then, you know, the customers wake up to the new version of the platform and it, and just all of those, those things are available and often like super easy and low friction to turn on and try. And so, I, you know, I do think, uh, that that uh, your your customers you know tend to be in a better position to to implement and try some of some of those new features and learns which, which ones are going to work and which ones aren't uh, much quicker than than uh, maybe some of the the more legacy on prem solutions. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, and um, certainly the consumers are moving really quickly and and dictating the terms to a large degree. And so, yeah, I mean, gone are the days of 12-month implementations to get a mobile site up or even, you know, a month to get Apple Pay going. It's let's test this stuff. If it works, awesome. If it doesn't, let's move on. But let's not invest too much time and energy and put too much risk on the business. So, yeah, I mean, in the cloud model, continual innovation, certainly agility, um, you know, we're seeing our customers take advantage of that, whether we're putting the innovation in the platform or they're innovating with themselves or third parties. So I, I appreciate it, especially coming from you, the recognition of that and uh, you know, cloud certainly as a key enabler. Well, Rob, that's actually going to be a great place to leave it because it has happened again. Uh, we have burned through our allotted time, uh, but uh, definitely want to thank you for taking time out during what I know is a super busy season for you um, and uh, sharing what uh, uh, Salesforce is seeing uh, this holiday season. Thanks so much, Jim. It's absolute pleasure and happy holidays to everybody. Thanks, Rob. Until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to the Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com.